Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. So I entitled this simply, I love that verse uh, in Mark chapter 10, verses 23. It says, for all things are possible with God. For all things are possible with God. Uh, We'll look at it simply in two parts. Jesus asked questions to the disciples in verses 23 through 25. And then Jesus answers the disciples in verses 26 through 31. Um, I know Sarah just left, but man, she was on the road up until about one o'clock in the morning last night and came in to do worship. So thank you. I know she's not here, but praise God that she came in to do that. Because otherwise we would not have had worship this morning. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for that, that she managed to get moving. Her friend moved here from Idaho. And so they drove all the way. That's a drive. And so uh, praise God that she was able to do worship. So last week, as uh, or actually the week before Mother's Day, we were actually looking at the rich young ruler. And if we look at those verses in Mark chapter 10, verses 21 and 22, it says, Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Well, Jesus let him know, you need to let go of these physical things. Now, for some people, it's wealth. For some people, it's possessions. You can, you can make a false god or an idol out of anything. Uh, the question is, is are you going to hold on to that thing so tightly that you miss eternity? And, and that's what happened to the rich young ruler. Remember, he came running to Jesus and kneeled down before Jesus. And he's walking away sorrowful. And so when we look at the, the rich young ruler, what we need to ask ourselves, is there something keeping us from following Jesus? Is there something that, that we're holding on to, an addiction, a person, a position, uh, a work, uh, maybe at work, you're, you're, I gotta have this title, I gotta have this thing, and you're willing to, at any point, you're gonna give up anything you have just to make sure you get that, to let go of your relationship with Christ, moving away from Christ. It can be unforgiveness. This is what gets a lot of people. They don't want to let go. They've been hurt as a child or they've been hurt as an adult and they don't want to let go of that. And it, They're just like, I can't let go of it, Jesus. You can't fix this. And what happens is they miss the calling that Christ has on their life as He asked to follow me. Now, one of the things we know about the rich young ruler is he trusted the treasure more than he trusted Jesus. And we're going to speak again about the kingdom of God and the children of God. And, and what we need to remember up in, as we've been in chapter 10, chapter 10 is a great, great chapter. So far, we've had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus. 
right? The rich young ruler doesn't want nothing to do with Jesus. Who was the ones that came to Jesus? The children. Who was the children? And as children of Christ, that's the same thing that we should be doing as well. As we look at the first point here, Jesus asked questions to the disciples. So the rich young ruler, as he's walking away, this is where this discussion goes. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Now Jesus is saying, you, you have a call and a cost to follow me. There are going to be things that you do need to let go of. You, you, one of the things that I love is, is he doesn't make an exception for this man. If it would have been up to the disciples, they would have picked this guy every day out of the, every day out of the week. He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. So he has influence, right? He has money, and, and he's young. And so when we look at it, when God calls us, he doesn't make an exception for any of us. There's a calling that God has put on our life, and it's, it's very simply this. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, it says, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, this is the problem with the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler was seeking the kingdom of self. And we do that. And I struggle with that too at times. I want my way. I want to be comfortable. And that's not what God's called us to, to be. He's called us to be uncomfortable. He's called us to, hey, you need to let go of this thing because it's hindering you from your walk. But we need to be careful that we're not seeking the kingdom of self. See, his heart was set on the external, the, the rich young ruler. It wasn't set on the eternal. See, Jesus doesn't look at earthly gains. Neither does God. He doesn't care about your human effort. He doesn't care about your, your worldly power. That means nothing to him. When you come to Christ, you bring nothing. You're, you're, you're coming not to, to serve a kingdom of self, but serve the kingdom of God. And see, this world, when we think about this world, we think about four things. I know Pastor Joe always said brains, brawn, and bucks, but I added beauty to it. Because four things that we serve in this culture is brawn, which is muscles, physical, the way we look, right? And, and that can get you a certain status in this world. Uh, you know, you think about guys like Tom Brady, people who play professional sports, right? You have brains. You think about Elon Musk, right? He's got brains. So he has a certain influence. You see it happening in the news today, right? He has a certain influence. You have beauty. You have the Kardashians. They built an empire on that mess. A, a billion-dollar empire on beauty. Beauty products, all the stuff. And then you have bucks. Now, bucks, you, you don't have to have brains, you don't have to have brawn, and you don't have to have beauty. You can just have the bucks, like Bill Gates. And you have influence. And see, when we look at these things, Jesus cares nothing about any of the four. 
Doesn't care. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, it says this simply. It says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring nothing to things that are. He chose the foolish things of the world. I'm one of them. I've never publicly uh, did this. Like, I, in my prior life, I never did public speaking. Ever. I never wanted to. Not the brightest guy. Academically suspended from two universities prior to Christ. Graduated after Christ from Liberty University. That's the Lord, not me. You need to understand that when we look at what God chooses, He chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Look at Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's the key to your faith. People should be able to recognize that you have been with Jesus, not with self. Self is very easy. It comes out of your mouth when, it, when it's all about you. But when you've been with Jesus, it's the, it's the admonishment, the words of Christ that come out of you, that pour out of your heart. You actually pray for people. You actually share scripture with people. You actually listen and, 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 and honor God and, and sacrifice for people. See, the Lord uses the things that are weak. He, he uses the foolish, the uneducated things. These men had no formal seminary. And yet they're like, these are uneducated men. Where did they get this from? Jesus. Jesus. It's the same for me. I, I never read the Bible in my life until I came to Christ. That was 2009. The time that we spend with Christ is, is so important because when you spend time in His Word, you spend time in prayer, and you're obeying wholeheartedly, God does amazing things in people's lives. It's not what the people do, it's what's God, what God is doing through them. And so for us, we need to remember that regardless of what you think you bring to the table, God doesn't need it. God doesn't need it. And what He's going to do is He's going to use the foolish things to confound the wise, meaning that God needs you to let go, like He was telling the rich young ruler, of these possessions. Let go of them. Because they're going to keep you from following me. They're going to keep you from following me. And verse 24 says, and, and the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? Now, disciples are amazed because they think this is perfect guy for the, to be a disciple. Why? One, he has money. Now we have a place to sleep. We don't have to sleep in, outside in the tents. We, we got a place to lay our head. Two, he has influence. Maybe we can actually start to get along with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He can create a dialogue. And hey, he's young. 
And Lord knows we, young, we need a young back. We're carrying all this stuff. We need somebody that has a young back because my back's old. I'm tired. And that would have been the perfect person for the disciples to grab. And the disciples would have, would have been thinking that way because they thought during this time, and most people during this time thought that, that because you were a disciple, they, they, they believed that your wealth and your health were tied to your obedience to God. And that was wrong. And that's what Jesus is going to show them. That's not it. Just because you're wealthy, just because you're healthy, doesn't mean you're being obedient to God. We all know that. But they did not at that time. That's not what they were being taught. They thought that they were receiving God's blessing. And, and we know that, that in Luke chapter 9, verse 58, Jesus told them, and, and Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes and birds of air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. These disciples gave up everything to follow Christ. Didn't even have a place to lay their head. So that's one of the reasons why they're like, hey, this guy might own multiple homes throughout the area so we can have a place to sleep. But he says, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's hard for people who have wealth. It's nothing against wealth. God can use somebody that has a light touch on the things of his wealth, right? But if he has a tight grip and it's become an idol to them, it, it's, it, God has a, 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 that's why he's telling the rich young ruler, it has to, you have to let that go. See, what we think is, is wealth here is going to be burned up. Uh, how many of y'all see those commercials with William Devane? Buy gold, right? I see them all the time on TV. You know, you got to buy gold. Gold is good. Man, nothing wrong with it, right? But something wrong with it if you think it's going to buy your way into heaven or the kingdom of God. It's not. Gold is what they use to pave the roads, the roads in heaven. In Revelation 21, 21, it says, In the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each, each of the gates made with a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold. Like transparent glass. The things that are of value here on this earth are not valued in heaven. God has a different approach. It's an opposite to what we have in this world. And that's what we're, we need to learn from this scripture. We put, we put value on things we shouldn't be putting value on. We, we have a tight grip on things that we shouldn't have a tight grip on. Because it's keeping you or hindering you from your relationship with God. That's why he says children. He goes back and, and he, remember what he says in Mark chapter 10 verse 15. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So he's telling you, look, a child has no concern over wealth or power. How many of those kids had a concern of wealth and power when they walked in here this morning? Not a one. They had a concern for a taco and my grandson to dance around and play in the back while worship's going on. He's not thinking about wealth or power and neither should we. It's one thing if you want to use your wealth and power for the kingdom of God. It's another thing when you want to use it for yourself. And that's, that's what, what Christ is getting at here. He said it's hard for them because they... they 
They put too much value on the things of this world. And that's why he says, you know, how difficult it is for them to enter the kingdom of God. And we see the word kingdom of God used again. Jesus speaking of the kingdom of God in John 3, 3, he told Nicodemus, uh, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Jesus isn't holding back on this statement. He says, children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's not difficult. It's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift for anyone and everyone by faith who responds. But what happens is when somebody's wealthy or they have an, an idol in their life, they're prideful. They're self-sufficient. And, and, and what happens is God has called us to be humble servants. And, and when you have wealth and pride and sometimes people are so highly educated that they, they just can't get it. You know, they think they can outthink God. They're self-sufficient. They're narcissistic. And we live in that culture today. There are a lot of people that way. In verse 25, it says, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, depending on which commentary you read or, or, or how you break that word down in the Greek, it can mean two meanings. It means, one, a camel, like we all know the animal, right? The other is it can mean a cord about one inch thick. Now, a one-inch thick cord cannot go through the eye of a needle. The other thing is a camel can't go through a narrow gate either. They try it all the time. Uh, what they have to do is they have to actually get the camel. They try to get the camel on all fours. They have to empty the camel of everything and try to work the camel through. It's difficult. It's hard to do. And that's what Jesus is drawing on to, to tell them. It's hard. And, and one of the things that we need to remember is that it's, it's hard, but it's, it's something big trying to make it through something narrow, right? Something wide trying to squeeze into something small. The easiest way to look at this is that a, a big and wide will never fit in small and narrow. And we know that verse very well in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who, in, who find it are few. So the way of life is narrow, lonely, it's costly. It's going to cost you something. You've got to let go of things. You've got to let go of the baggage. It can't be brought on the narrow road. You've got to let go of the sin. The worldliness, it's got to go. That's why he was telling the rich young ruler, all this stuff, you need to let it go. And Jesus is the narrow way. It's difficult, but you can't, you can't walk on two roads at the same time. And a lot of Christians are doing that right now. Uh, there are a lot of Christians that are in the world and trying to be in Christ, and, and that doesn't work. You've got to get on that narrow road. Now, you, you say, well, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> if you live in this country, you're wealthy. Yeah, considering, uh, I, I believe, and I don't want to get this wrong, but it's somewhere around the 80 to 85% of the world live with less income than you do. And that's even if you're really poor in this country because you still have the food bank, you have, you have 
unemployment. You have, they don't have that stuff. They live off of most, most of the people in this country live off of less than $5 per week. Most of us spend that on coffee, right? Think about that. And so it's easy for us to think that, man, I'm not wealthy, but in this country you are. That's why everybody's trying to come here. That's why everybody's rushing to get to America. And, and, and honestly, what I can tell you, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're wealthy or, or this is where an idol can still happen. So you can still chase money, even being poor. And what I mean by that is you can make money an idol, being poor, thinking it's going to fix your problem. And it's not. It doesn't. Jesus does that. And so this again, if you're allowing something to become an idol in your life, Jesus is saying you need to let it go. Let it go. And, and it's, it's just a reminder to us. It's, it, it, I, I've seen it. I've, I know people who have chased paper, money, and they've drifted away from Christ because they're so busy trying to... And guess what? You know what they do? The more money they have, the more money they spend. They don't know how to manage what they have. It's so important that you learn those things. Let's look at the second part of this is as Jesus answers the disciples in verses 26 to 31. And it says, they were exceedingly astonished. That word astonished, exceedingly astonished, means like to strike, like thunder. That's how they were like, what? What do you mean? Like, he can't get in? Because again, they're thinking that it's, it's, it's connected with their wealth. They're thinking that guy's guaranteed to get in. He's a rich young ruler. He's got money. He's got influence. But he's telling them, hey, uh, that doesn't line up with, with God's economics. See, their thought was that the rich had position for first claim of the kingdom of God, and they don't. Remember what Job, in Job chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, and Jesus is really answering this. I love this. In Job chapter, nine, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it says, Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him in his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and the possessions have increased in the land. So what Satan is basically saying is like, you pay him to worship you. That's what he's telling God. If he didn't have those things, he wouldn't worship you. You see, Jesus is, is actually correcting bad theology here. As he, as he dives into, uh, into the kingdom of God. Because he's saying, look, it's not about prosperity. This is not a prosperity movement. See, and, and that is being pushed. You see people that push that all day long. And that's bad theology. The, the possession or the absence of wealth is no sign of God's favor. Wealth can be a barrier uh, to the one thing necessary to enter the kingdom of God. We're to come in helpless, childlike, trusting in Jesus. And he says, then who can be saved? 
Y'all should know the answer to that question, right? Everyone. Every one of us can be saved. Nobody is that far gone. See, we look at it through salvation through a human achievement, and you can't earn it. Or we'll look at salvation as saying this is something that you can pay and buy into. You can't. The kingdom of God is, is, is a calling that God has on our lives. It's, it's the understanding that we are sinners and we need forgiveness of our sin. And what Jesus did on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, gave you the opportunity to repent and ask Christ into your heart. That's why it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Or in Romans chapter 10, verses 9-13, through 13, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on, on all who call on Him. Everyone who calls on, him, on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's very important that you get the, the key to that. All who call on Him, everyone who calls on Him. So who can be saved? Everyone. All of us. You just have to repent and ask Christ into your heart. And that's where people get stuck. But see, what you think, like we see the wealthy person, right? But you think you have somebody in your life that's beyond saving. We all have people like that, right, in our family. We all have people like that, our friends, that we go, man, there's no way that God can reach that person. Y'all need to stop that. That's wrong thinking. God can reach anyone. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop ministering to them. If they allow you to talk, talk to them about Christ, do it. Do it. And if they, if, you, if they live a halfway across the country, pray for them. Remember we talked about ministering angels. Gabriel showed up. Sent, asked God, send some ministering angels to my friend. That he would come to know Jesus, or she would come to know Jesus. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. In Job chapter 42, verse 2, as Job learns, as, as we get to the end of Job, he says, I know that you do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. See, God is greater than your problems. God is greater than what's going on in that person's life. You think they can't you know, kick that addiction? God can do it. My senior pastor was a, an alcoholic. And everybody thought, never happened. My brother, same thing. He'll never be saved. Both of them got, got saved. God's using both of them in different ways. The foolish things of the, of the world. And, and at the end of the day, we kind of remember that, that God is greater than those problems that we see 
in this world. In Jeremiah 32, verses 26 and 27, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. It is anything too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for God. The Lord can, can touch the hardest heart, the calloused heart, and, and show up so real in that person's life that they'll give their heart to Christ. God can do what man cannot. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word uh, be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the things for which I sent it. We talked about it in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody in their lifetime would have thought King Nebuchadnezzar would have known God. That man was rich. He had influence. He was the ruler of the world. He had whatever he wanted. Prideful. And yet when you read Daniel chapter 4, you read his testimony. And he says, I want everyone to know, all nations, all people, about God. In Daniel chapter 4 verse 37, it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right. And his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. You realize even Daniel was praying for him. Daniel. He's captive. He was taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel was praying for him. In verse 28, Peter began to say to him, See, we left everything and followed you. As usual, Peter outburst like he normally does. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, we get a little bit more context of what he said. It says, Then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Now, that, when I read that, it sounds like the modern way that we say, Hey, what's in it for me? We left it all, Jesus. What's in it for me? And so Peter, Peter's question is... He's thinking he's going to get a reward because he's made himself poor. And the disciples are still looking at this in a worldly context instead of a spiritual, eternal context. Do you realize that Peter goes back after the resurrection? He goes right back to doing what? Fishing. He goes right back to his old job. I guess this is over. In John chapter 21, verse 3, it says, Then Simon... Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He was supposed to be fishing for men. That's funny, he didn't catch anything that night either. And Jesus telling uh, in verse 29 says, uh, Jesus said, truly I say to you. So again, that's amen. So he's saying it before the statement, meaning this is not up for discussion. Okay? He says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel's sake. And if you remember what Paul says, Paul, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 19 through 23, y'all can read that when you get some time, but I love what it says in verse 22. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak, and I have become all things to all people that by all means... I, I might have saved some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. Now, 
If you're, if you're living for the kingdom of self, you're going to have a hard time with that, what Paul is saying. Because he talks about more than just that. He talks about becoming a, uh, a, a Jew to the Jews and, 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 and to those that were not under the law. He, he, he was like, I need to become like them. But he's like, I need to do what I need to do to make sure the gospel goes out. Are we willing to, to humble ourselves to do for the gospel's sake? To get the gospel out. The other thing it says, and this is in verse 30, it says, Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Not some with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life i can tell you as a as a, a, a somebody who's come to know christ in 2009 i have been to people's houses in eagle pass that i have no clue but they were my brother in christ they opened their doors they fed us they loved on us they are the house was open to us um, we've got sisters and brothers, and I have spiritual fathers and mothers that are in our lives, people that minister to us, and we've been blessed by that. But I can tell you what, I've also been through persecution, and I will continue to go through persecution as well as you until you go home to be with the Lord. That's part of what grows us. It's, it's a testing of our faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All will be persecuted. Not some. All. That's part of the commitment of serving the Lord. You might as well expect that persecution is coming. That's why we talk about, you know, mountaintop moments and valleys. We go through valleys. But who are you supposed to focus on in the valley? The shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads my paths. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5 says, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we are abundantly in comfort too. Our comfort comes from Christ. So when we're going through persecution... One of the things that we know, it's an evidence that we're saved. You know, one of the, the, the biggest things I remember, I remember when Pastor Lily passed away and the Walsh family, Brandon and Mindy and, and Miss Jolie, his wife, and how they were ministering to people that should have been ministering to them. They lost their husband, their, their father, and yet here they were ministering to people at the funeral. Loving on them, sharing Christ with them, praying with them. It, it just showed me how strong their faith was. And you knew they were saved. There was no question or doubt about it. Another thing that it does is that God uses it to mold you into His Christ-likeness. God needs you to be more like Christ and less like self. That's why you deny yourself and you pick up your cross and you follow Him. And the third thing it does, it's proof that this world will be judged. Because if we go through persecution, do you not think the world's going to go through trials and tribulations and persecution when the, the end times happen and, 
And, and the great tribulation happens. It's coming. Jesus is returning. But it says, and in the age to come eternal life. That's our hope. That's what we, we, we know we're going to have is eternal life. We'll be with, with Christ Jesus forever. With God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, it says in, in this testimony that God gave us eternal life and the life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Very simply, eternal life is, is based upon those two things. And then finally, what he says in verse 31, But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Again, kingdom economics. This is God's economics. Like you, you're, you're a servant of all. You're called to be last. And yet, you will be first. The last will be first. See, in this society, when we think about it, the rich young ruler, right, would have been first. The ones with the beauty, the one with the bronze, the brains, the bucks. In this culture, they'd be what? First. Not in God's kingdom. The ones that choose to follow Jesus Christ to live for Him, they'll be first because they'll inherit the kingdom of God. See, we need to remember that money can buy you a lot of things. Right? Money can buy you a bed, but can't provide you sleep. Money can buy you books, but doesn't make you smart. You have to read them. You have to learn from them. Money can buy you a house, but it may not be a home. Many people think the one thing I need is that home. It's going to fix everything, and it doesn't. Money can buy medicine, but it can't buy your health. Money can buy you some temporary happiness, but it can't provide eternal joy and peace. That's only through Jesus Christ. Money can buy a cross that you can wear around your neck, but it can't buy a Savior. That's what he's trying to teach them in this moment, the disciples. You have to let go of the things that are holding you back from following Christ. And I, like I said, it could be wealth. It could be other things. If there's something that's keeping you from wholeheartedly following Jesus, you need to examine your heart and let that go. Remember what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So have you chosen to follow Jesus Christ? Have you chosen to let go of those things? Have you chosen to, to be a child of the kingdom of God? Or are you still a kingdom of self? And that's, that's where we're at today in our scripture. It's not about the brains. It's not about the beauty. It's not about the books. Or the brawn. It's about none of those earthly things. It's about Jesus Christ. It's about dying to self, picking up the cross and following me. And that's what we're supposed to do.
Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.